As a company grows, it's critical to understand what is important to them as a company, to their employees, and to the stakeholders. During growth, how do companies make sure they are looking at the full ESG landscape as it relates to all the various parties involved? In this episode of the Privately Speaking podcast series, host and KPMG audit partner Erica Whitmore sits down with Adam Strzok, founding and managing partner at Strzok Capital, and Paige Schultz, CEO at Topanga.io, to discuss further. Welcome both Adam and Paige. Very excited to have you on on the podcast today. This is one of the favorite things that I get to do for KPMG is is to talk to folks like yourself and really help our high growth companies think about things like ESG, right? So that is the topic today. We're going to we're going to bounce around a little bit. Adam, I think you graciously offered to kind of lay down kind of what the landscaping looks like for investing right now, which is always important to our listeners. So Without further ado, Adam, if you could introduce yourself, and then Paige, if you could introduce yourself after that, that'd be great. Yeah, sounds great. Um, pleasure to be here. Um, so yeah, my name is Adam Strzok. I'm the founder and managing partner at Strzok. But we have three different ways that we partner with founders. Um, we have Strzok Capital. That's a $75 million horizontal and vertical SaaS-focused fund. We have Strzok Crypto. That's around a $100 million blockchain-focused fund. Um, and then we have Strzok Studio, where we basically take all of the information asymmetries that we gather, cataloging thousands of deals a year across capital and crypto, and we leverage those information asymmetries to create companies. So we do all the ideation, validation, product development in-house. And then once we've signed a product market fit, we then recruit a founder, you know, CEO, a co-founder. We give them 50% of the company and we spin it out. Struck as a firm is backed by, you know, world-class um, VCs like Chicago Ventures, Union Square Ventures, Revolution, you know, large institutional investors, and then, you know, you know, very sort of specific context here from an ESG perspective, we also have Leonardo DiCaprio um, as an LP as well. So we love finding, you know, incredible companies that, you know, can also sort of fit that ESG mission driven thesis, um, because we think we can add a ton of value and really help them hit escape velocity. I'm Paige. I'm one of the co-founders and CEO of Topanga.io. We're an enterprise software company proving that sustainable business practices can achieve both environmental and economic ROI. Today, we're focused largely on providing track and trace solutions that help organizations, primarily universities and food service operations, switch from single use to reusable packaging. Uh, My background broadly is in all things kind of e-commerce, marketing, and sustainable supply chains. So excited to be here with you all and fun to be here with Adam as well as Struck is one of our latest investors. Awesome. Well, thank you both again. And I think where we'll start is, you know, if we think about our audience and, you know, the focus on growing revenue and probably very focused on EBITDA, at least as of as of this point, I think things have shifted towards that direction. Although Adam, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that later. Um, but what types of things should these companies be thinking about when it comes to ESG? And Paige, maybe we'll start with you and then Adam, if you could also comment. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, when it comes to ESG broadly, I think the first thing that we kind of were thinking about is what framework might work or what types of ESG, which of those letters is most important as it relates to your business practices. Um, So really understanding why is this important to me to pursue ESG? 
And then from there, diving a little bit deeper to find the tools or frameworks that might work for your company and for your business operations. Um, It's important to kind of understand that for a tech company, this is very different if you're producing kind of software and services versus a CPG company where you're really putting a physical product on the shelf. Um, So I think step one is really just kind of doing some research and some digging to understand why. Adding on to that, if you're like Topanga, you know, ESG is sort of core and central to your mission. Um, but even if you're not Topanga and you're just, you know, a SaaS company, you know, you know, struggling for product market fit, we still think it's really important um, to really focus on on the S and the G uh, as early as possible, you know, in your company's life cycle. So thinking about employee benefits, diversity and inclusion, um, ethical standards, you know, board governance, um, shareholder rights. From our perspective, uh, you know, companies that think about those things early and really prioritize them, um, those are the ones that when they find product market fit, it's not only becomes easy to, you know, acquire incredible talent, but to also retain that talent and really scale, you know, a sort of mission-driven workforce. So, you know, we think all companies, no matter what the focus, um, should be thinking about ESG um, as early as possible. Perfect. And, And we'll dive into that a little bit deeper a little later in the session here. Um, Adam, just from your perspective, when you are looking at, you know, companies that you're considering investing in, you know, not necessarily specific to ESG in that space, what are you generally looking for? Yeah, so, you know, we have a bunch of sort of heuristics that our deal team uses to very quickly understand, you know, if a company or investment opportunities is in our wheelhouse, you know, we have to be very um, disciplined and specific in terms of the types of companies we invest in. Um, so right away, we're going to do you know very quick analysis on things like total addressable market. Are they in a multi-billion dollar market? Is there a, a multi-billion dollar you know sleepy incumbent that they can disrupt? Um, we'll look at the competitive landscape. Is it a blue ocean or a red ocean? Do we fundamentally believe that there's a real opportunity here? Um, we'll go really, really deep on the founders. Is at the end of the day, a great idea without an incredible founder isn't going to go anywhere. And most importantly, you know, we're looking at founders that have really robust information asymmetries in the space, um, can battle adversity, um, have shown that they can get stronger, you know, through those experiences. Um, and if we feel really good about that, then we really choose to dive in. And, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, we're going to go really deep on the financial model, the unit economics, um, the tech stack, the architecture decisions, are the unit testing their code? We're going to, you know, background check the founders. We're going to look at the hiring plan. Um, we'll, we'll go really, really deep. And then I think, you know, most importantly, um, we'll also look at ourselves, right? And just ask ourselves, are we the right firm um, to be on this cap table? And can we really add value? So yeah, those are some of the sort of like high level things that we'll look at. In terms of, again, maybe let's take an, a for example, right? If you're looking at a company that maybe they have some decent seed funding, so that but they're looking at like a larger Series A, um, not in the ESG space, but do you look at some of the practices that they have in, in place or, or maybe lack thereof as it relates to, you know, social responsibility, I think in our prep session, you mentioned, you know, what are the employee benefits, right? How do they treat employees? What does that look like? Yeah, it's definitely something that's part of our diligence process. Um, We're probably, you know, if ESG is not, you know, absolutely core to the business itself, it's probably going to come like in the confirmatory stage, sort of at the end of of diligence. Um, But generally for us, you know, we want to understand not only what the company looks like today and paying attention to things like, you know, board governance, Um, shareholder rights, employee benefits, working conditions, um, diversity and inclusion, all of those things are very critical. But 
they become, um, if there's kinks in the, in the armor, you know, kinks in the chain, uh, it becomes exacerbated as the company scales. So we definitely want to ask questions to the founding team um, and, and sort of hear what their thoughts are, um, not only in terms of, you know, what's implemented today, but what do they want to implement at scale? Um, because again, it, it sort of serves as a microcosm for, for just a lot of different things associated with how they're actually going to act. If maybe, you know, they've got $50 million in the bank and they're hiring aggressively, are they going to prioritize these things that in our opinion really does make the difference? So, um, yeah, it's definitely something that we pay attention to. And it's, it's definitely something that we're going to look at, you know, prior to underwriting a, a deal and, and writing that check. Adam, that's helpful. Thank you. And on the flip side page, having gone through fundraising, right, what what has been your experience in terms of what investors are looking for? I think it's really interesting, especially, yes, we are kind of a climate tech company with these environmental practices. But at the end of the day, we're trying to prove that, you know, environmental companies can also just be good business. So there's, of course, the fundamentals that we would assume, which is, do you have a path to revenue, a path to profitability? Do you have clients? What does that market opportunity look like? But I think also even something that we've kind of learned throughout our fundraising journey over the past two years and some of what Adam was saying is just being really intentional on why. So not just are you going to grow as fast as you can, but do you have an opportunity for longevity? Are you going to work into your financial model that you're going to offer employees benefits? Or is that something that you've completely overlooked? And I think more broadly, just is it a good business, but also are there good people behind it to ensure that it's not just how do you look to the external world, but also are you operating internally pretty smoothly so that you can continue to kind of achieve what you're hoping to build? And Adam, I'm going to flip over to you just just in terms of, let's say that we've got some companies listening, right, that maybe haven't, haven't raised for the last two years. Um, how has the landscape changed, you know, really since, since the pandemic? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I definitely think high level, it's it's a tougher fundraising environment than it's been uh, for quite some time. You know, I think when you go back to sort of height of 2021, there was there was really some sort of, you know, irrational exuberance, you know, as a byproduct of, of just some, you know, very, very uh, material quantitative easing. Um, you know, I think it got to a point where you could have like, you know, robust compound monthly growth rate and 300k in ARR. And all of a sudden, you can raise $15 million Series A. Now the pendulum has totally swung in the other direction. You know, and we're advising our founders to have a clear path to like two to two and a half million in ARR with a really strong, you know, monthly growth rate if they want to go out and raise a top of market Series A. Um, so I think I think just generally, it's very tough um, for founders that you know, create, um, you know, an operating model, and they think, you know, these are the KPIs that, need, that I need to hit to raise a subsequent round of financing at an up round. Um, and then all of a sudden, because macro tailwinds turn to headwinds, the KPIs that you thought you had to show you need to 2x or sometimes even 3x that, um, how do you deal with that, right? So, you know, I think for us, we spend a lot of time, you know, working with companies that we feel have robust product market fit, um, but they just didn't realize that, you know, gosh, you know, the the goalposts have shifted and I need to show 2x revenue than I thought I did to raise that next round. Um, so generally what I would say is it is a very tough fundraising environment. Um, if you actually have, you know, AI and foundation models and something like that core to your uh, to your business, you know, maybe it's, it's a different scenario, but for everything else, it's very difficult. So I think it's really important for investors to understand just how much 
quote unquote, like, or sorry, for founders to understand just how much quote unquote, the flavor of the week um, can impact, you know, your ability to fundraise. Like right now, people are just really shying away from e-commerce, you know, for whatever reason, whereas at the height of the pandemic, you know, everybody was was very, very much into that. You know, what I'll say for us at Struck is um, we like to keep blinders on and and the way we evaluate a business in a top market or a, or a down market, it doesn't really change for us. Um, we don't want to be investors that are pedaled to the metal in a frothy environment and then we slam the brakes, um, you know, in, in, a, in a harsh environment. Um, we just want to build with incredible founders, you know, we, and we want to work with great companies that have sustainable unit economics. So what I would tell founders is, um, you know, it's definitely tough out there, but the right VC, you know, can look at your traction in, in a certain way and find a way to to get a deal done. So I still think there's more opportunity for innovation than ever before. And I, I think it's an exciting time right now to be in tech generally. So there's hope, Adam. <laughs> yes, there's still hope. Definitely. There's still hope. There's still hope. Great. Thank you for that, Adam. And Paige, back over to you and back on kind of our ESG topic. If, if again, you're an earlier stage company and maybe you're focused on some of the things Adam is, is talking about, you know, your revenue growth and perhaps showing a little more profitability, but you also want to focus on making sure that uh, you're doing some things on the social aspect or the environmental side of things. What are some simple things that a company can do that aren't, you know, super aggressive, but yet uh, really move the needle? I think simple is is a good word there. I think it's very easy to get distracted by kind of the big lofty goals and net zero and carbon neutrality. But the reality is that you can start with what's possible for you today, and that's better than doing nothing at all. So for us, when we were first getting started, one of the simple things that we wanted to do was say, okay, hey, when we're looking to procure a new vendor, whether that's you know to help with our data processing or to help us with our sales efforts, is there a vendor out there who has the services that we want and also has a really good, robust ESG framework themselves, right? Um, and that really helped us with selection. Or when it comes to employees, is it can be as simple as, okay, maybe we don't have the best-in-class benefits plan today, but can we do something as simple as you get a half day on Friday and go and like take time to do what will fulfill you so that when you show back up on work on Monday, you're ready to go and ready to kind of be enthused by what's in front of you. So I think it's really just kind of understanding what's possible for you and what's realistic for the company today, and then being really intentional in terms of where you invest your time and energy. That's perfect, Paige. And I think, like you said, those are like simple examples. You know, I think in a lot of cases, especially when it comes to, you know, diversity, diversity, excuse me, and inclusion, I do think companies are are doing more than they probably realize. They maybe just don't necessarily have the reporting structure in place, which depending on the stage of the company, that, that might be okay, right? Just a couple things for everyone to kind of watch out for while we're getting the rules, right, finalized on, on at least for public companies, what they'll need to report. I think, you know, we we recently wrote an article called Greenwashing, Green Hushing, and Green Wishing. <laughs> uh, don't fall victim to these ESG reporting tracks. It, it, and really what it's focused on is, you know, if you are going to report, making sure that you have the data, right, to support what you're reporting. And again, a lot of times this would maybe be more focused on companies that are either looking to go public or are public. But again, if you're going to put out an annual report and include some of these things, you just have to make sure that you have the reporting framework in place to, you know, support the numbers and support the statements that you're making. And 
Adam, I think you spoke to that just a little bit again in diligence, maybe it's not super formal, but you know, having having substance behind the things that you're doing or the things that you're looking to do. Um, any any thoughts on that from Paige, either you or or Adam? Yeah, one thought I have is I think when it comes to the data is even if maybe depend regardless of what stage you're you're at, it's helpful to start kind of understanding what data you would want to be reporting on sooner rather than later. It's it's a lot easier to get started rather than try to backtrack and find two, three, five years of operational data. So just even understanding kind of where you want to go if you're not there yet is still a big step forward. Yeah, and I'll say just for us as a firm, you know, we're a registered investment advisor with the SEC. So we're very, very cautious in terms of just anything that we would report on, you know, in a public manner. But, you know, for us, like it is really important for us to do things like at the end of the year track, you know, how many jobs have we helped, you know, create, you know, how many, you know, sort of diverse individuals have we helped, you know, you know, get acquired in our portfolio companies. And, and we like to track that data. Um, and share it, you know, with our investors and, and our LPs, you know, sort of more broadly. Um, but I, I definitely agree with you, right? It's, you know, numbers in and of themselves mean nothing unless you have a very sort of specific and granular framework in terms of how things were calculated and where they come from. Um, so, you know, it's really critical to always have that uh, top of mind. And, and I guess parting words just from me, and, and then I'll, I'd love to hear parting thoughts from both you, Paige and, and Adam. You know, I think depending on the stage of the company, right, even just putting together a little task force, right, to brainstorm about what do we want this to look like in the future and perhaps put some milestones in place, right? Like, here's here's some of the things that are really important to us as a company that are important to our employees, to our stakeholders, and then really starting to plot out that process and understanding the resources you need and, and you know, what types of things you'd like to report on is a great place to start, no matter no matter what size you are. Paige, uh, parting thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I love that kind of commentary on the task force. I think the biggest thing to me and when I'm talking to other founders is that ESG, both E, S, and G, um, it's got to be top down and bottoms up. So having it really feel collaborative. So it's not just, hey, this is my mission and this is how we're going to bring this to life, but this is how everyone is going to feel better. And we're going to put kind of our best foot forward from day one, I think is the right mindset. Thank you, Paige. Adam, parting thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say from my perspective, I just think uh, it's a really exciting time right now to be building um, and to focus, you know, on sort of various forms of core technology innovation. I think for the first time ever, um, you know, this generation is really faced with just how sort of daunting climate change is and sort of the risk associated there. And I think there's a real opportunity right now to apply various forms of core technology innovation to combat climate change in a way that actually can can create tremendous profit. So, um, you know, I think I think broadly, um, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, on, on the environmental side. Um, but I also think um, on the social and governance side, every company, you know, sort of big or small um, should be paying attention to, to this, especially, I think, in a sort of hybrid post-COVID um, remote world where maybe you're not seeing your employees every day. The concept of really understanding things like diversity and inclusion, um, benefits, governance, various employee or shareholder rights, you know, th- those are more important than ever before. So, you know, what what I think a great theme uh, of this conversation is, it doesn't need to feel daunting, you can start small, and, and you can really make a change. Um, so I, I think, uh, I just think it's, it's an exciting time right now to be focusing on that. And I think, you know, every 
every company that wants to be large, you know, someday should start thinking of it right now, you know, when they're really creating the foundation and fiber um, of their organization. Well, thank you both for joining me today. I think this is really helpful. And I think our listeners will really appreciate your perspectives. And again, you know, how to keep it simple, start small, but just the underlying importance. So thank you both for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you for listening to KPMG's Privately Speaking podcast. And be sure to subscribe to this series to be notified of new episodes.